Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Edge podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Benker, and on the show today we have Yuki Inose. Yuki, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Yuki, uh, you are a serial entrepreneur, you're a Japanese businessman, Mm -hmm. and uh, you have had some incredible success with uh, health and beauty, so obviously you have uh, a number of gyms, Mm -hmm. you uh, also own a string of parlors, or salons as you might call them, for uh, facials, Uh, and you also have your own fashion Mm -hmm. label uh, in Japan, and you also own a bar, so Mm -hmm. uh, these are quite incredible diverse businesses. and uh, I think what's really interesting about your story is that you've actually been able to create these businesses on autopilot. So uh, you've been able to live your life traveling, traveling around the world, living around the world. You mm-hmm. live in Europe, mm-hmm. um, but all of your businesses are in Japan. Yes. How have you done that? Uh, just all my business, I have got good stuff uh, who can manage other stuff. So I'm basically just managing managers only. So afterwards, they do everything that company needs. So they just like I'm managing managers. That's how, uh, that is like my work style. So you've been able to find a good team. And, yes. Uh, and that's really the secret to kind yes. of having this hands-off kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that, that you've been able to set up. So, Yuki, um, uh, one of the things that kind of struck me as we were talking, um, in fact, uh, this is our second attempt at doing this podcast mm-hmm. because we had some technical issues the yeah. first time yeah. around. Um, but nonetheless, we're, we're sitting here in a forest um, mm-hmm. somewhere in Spain. You can hear the birds around. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't really apologize for that, we've got a lot of wildlife around us, but it's, we're sitting in this incredible location. Yes. And, uh, and what I said to you was, uh, I think what you had been able to create is the exact opposite of the way that I work. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm always trying to actually work very hard. I get very, very interested mm-hmm. in some of the, the content of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, years ago, I read this book about Tim Ferriss, and we mm-hmm. spoke about Tim yeah. Ferriss. And I think you, know, you are the epitome of what Tim Ferriss set out. Okay. But of course, you've never even heard about this mm-hmm. guy. I don't he, wrote, know. he wrote a book. It was the four-hour mm-hmm. work week, and um, it was about lifestyle design. It was mm-hmm. about automating your business okay. so that you have the time mm-hmm. to kind of live your life mm-hmm. and do the things that you want to do. Um, so I think th- that's been one of the observations that I've had mm-hmm. just around the way that you've set your businesses up. They've given you an enormous amount of freedom. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do with that freedom? Uh, just, you know, reading books, playing computer game. Just basically doing nothing because I'm very lazy. That's why I kind of, you know, invented this kind of uh, work style. Because I don't want to work, but I want some amount of money, of course. So, but, you know, if you work hard, of course you get money, but you lose your private time, which I didn't want it. So I'm always thinking, how can I get time and money? Then like my answer is just, you know, managing people and uh, let our staff do our job. 
Well, yeah. but I would say it must be more than that, though, because uh, everybody's obviously trying to get good people and, and manage their staff. I mean, there's something here about leadership and empowerment. And maybe there's even something about, uh, you know, Japanese culture itself and the way that business plays out in Japan. Yeah, I think, yeah, that is true, because Japanese people generally very modest and uh, they're like hard worker. So, you know, if you found right people who works for you, then I think it's going to be quite easy. Because uh, the character, characteristic of Japanese people is very different from foreigners, I mean like Europeans, <laughs> from Americans. <laughs> yes, yes. Like we are more like hard work actually. Right. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very dedicated. There's a, well, when I think about you know, what it means to be Japanese, obviously I've had an enormous fascination with the Japanese culture but um, uh, you know so so many of our management practices Kaizen and the like uh, you know, yeah, certainly yeah. in my field where mm -hmm. process improvement has been a big part of what mm -hmm. I do uh, actually these movements and methods and tools and systems were founded by the Japanese mm -hmm. um, having observed you know, what the Americans were doing and mm -hmm. they kind of used their own cultural dynamic mm -hmm to perfect it. So uh, do you think the answer is just for uh, everybody to go out and hire Japanese workers? Do you think that's what uh, we should be doing <laughs> in the West? <laughs> I wouldn't say you know, all Japanese workers are like modest, but actually a lot of them, a mm. lot of them are like really, really modest. So I think if you found Japanese worker in your company, I'm sure they will do a good job. Yeah, yeah, no, well, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try. Um, have you got any staff going? Uh, so, you know, if we think about kind of what this really, what, what uh, the, the whole coronavirus episode has, has done to your business, because obviously you've, had a, you've got a bar, mm -hmm. um, you've got gyms, mm -hmm. um, you uh, have facial salons. Yeah. These are all high contact, mm -hmm. you know, contact sports. So, mm -hmm. Um, but I think you, you've said that Japan didn't close down in quite the same way as the rest of the world. Yeah, uh, we did lockdown, but by law in Japan, we cannot lock down completely. The government cannot command our people to lock down, shut down, because we don't have uh, this kind of law. So the government demands Japanese people to not do their business. And uh, afterward, like eighty percent of people that follow the rule. So like that's how we are. It's not compo It's not compulsory to close bar or close gym, close facial salon. But government just demand, and everyone follows their demand. So did I, because otherwise, you know, a lot of people criticize my business. Okay, because maybe the coronavirus virus spread from you know, hit salon, stuff like this. So, so it's just too risky to stay open. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. yeah, interesting. Well, and, and of course, what you're describing is this highly compliant kind of culture. And so uh, so people want to uh, to really comply. But you've had a lot of, it's been, a you know, quite an intense time for mm -hmm. Japan because mm -hmm. obviously uh, you did have the tsunami. You're still dealing yeah. with Fukushima. You've yes. just lost the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about the the, the cost of that yeah, to the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were, what was that? Something like five trillion. Five trillion dollars. Five trillion dollars impact as a result of not having yes Olympic the Olympics. Yeah. 
So how does some how does a country come back from that when they they were supposed to have the Olympics uh, next year? Is that is? It? Yeah, they said we are supposed to have Olympic next year, but I'm not sure if it, it will happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. And all the infrastructure costs have already been yeah, sunk. Yeah, exactly. Because there are so many hotels and like uh, the restaurants, everything for Olympic. But of course, Olympic is not coming. So they just wasted. Wow. All like uh, all revenue. And uh, I, I guess, you know, actually with the lockdown uh, easing now in many places, travel starting to come back, we're such a long way away mm -hmm. from really seeing yeah. any of this um, coming to a place where we could host large events like that. Mm -hmm. So even replacing it with another, another event doesn't seem to be feasible at all. Yeah. So, uh, Yuki, tell us about your business per se you know uh, obviously with your gyms and the like you close these businesses down mm -hmm. um, so we you know does your business model continue in that way um, or have you found ways to actually change and improve it uh, some of my business I just keep continue my facial salons gyms uh, the bar actually bar is like really good even though we get coronavirus because our bar is membership only bar, so not everyone can come to our bar, but only membership only. So, you know, our customer is kind of, the relationship is very strong. And obviously during the coronavirus, a lot of bars and restaurants are closed, so nobody can go nowhere. So just customer keep coming to our bar, because we secretly open the bar during the coronavirus season. So bar is doing great, and the apparel company is okay. But obviously, like the facial salon, uh, we started to reopen in June, but the the profit is like thirty to forty percent compared to like last year, this month. So obviously, it's not good. So I had to start new business so that I can get my profit back. And now what I'm doing now is like online salon. Online salon? Online salon. Now this is a new term for me, an mm -hmm. online salon. What, what happens in an on online salon? It's like a, we use the name online salon, but it's like online community. And uh, what you do is online salon. It's quite big Japan nowadays. Maybe last couple of years, a lot of people started to have like this business. And uh, what you do online salon, basically you can do anything. For instance, like uh, I'm a personal trainer, so in my online salon, I teach people how to be healthy, how to get fit, how to get lose weight. It's like uh, my online salon, but um, maybe somebody teaching musical instrument or somebody teaching some medical herbs. Or like if you're a businessman, you can teach people like promotion skill or like marketing skill. So these are basically online communities, exactly. and uh, you're 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 creating them around a theme, a special yeah. interest group. Yeah. And what are you using? Is this all happening on Facebook, or are you using any other? It's Facebook. We right. use Facebook and uh, like Facebook group, but uh, I don't know how to say. When you create Facebook, you can choose. 
It's on the public. I mean, like everyone can see. Or it's a closed group. Closed group. Yeah, yeah, so yeah we use closed yeah, groups. Yeah, we use the closed group. And uh, yeah, like for me, like at at the moment, I've got three hundred members, and I charge like ten dollars per month. And uh, my target is I'm gonna get ten thousand members next two or three years. That would be like fantastic. And the biggest online salon in Japan. Is、uh, there's a guy called Akihiko Nishino? He's got sixty thousand members, and he charge like ten dollars per month. So it's very good money. Well, I mean,、uh, <laughs> very this, good money. This guy has a great business model. I think. Yeah, yeah. I would love a business model like、yeah. that. That's phenomenal. And、uh, and an online salon. It's not a term. I have to say that that、uh, I've I've come across anymore. It, it,、uh, It's something that might be quite uniquely Japanese、mm-hmm. in terms of its terminology, but we're definitely talking about some kind of monetizing communities, which yeah, I think、exactly、is really fascinating.、Yes. Yeah. And you're doing this at scale now. Obviously, Japan has got a lot of its own technologies, a、mm-hmm. lot of its own operating systems,、mm-hmm. different、uh, phone manufacturers, and the like. And it's so interesting to see that. You, your chosen platform for this、mm-hmm. is Facebook.、Mm-hmm. If it wasn't Facebook, what would you be using in Japan? Ah,、oh. I don't know because everybody uses Facebook, so I didn't even think of it. Because obviously in China they have、uh, a number of different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Baidu is the the key one that、uh, that they're using、uh, in in、okay. Japan.、Um, I hope so. At any rate, if it's not right,、mm-hmm. then I will add it in the in the in the show notes.、Mm-hmm. Um, but、uh, you know, Facebook obviously is quite universal,、mm-hmm. and we're using it a lot、uh, in Europe and the UK and、mm-hmm. the U in the US. So.、Um, It's fascinating to see that that translates in that environment. I have to take this salon model apart.、Mm-hmm. So what happens? So they basically sign up to an interest group, and, and you're doing yours around training and fitness and health, basically. Yeah,、uh, actually, like、um, the health and the beauty is like one of my contents because、um, I'm quite well known, not so much, but I have got hundred. Thousand follower on my Twitter. A hundred thousand followers on yeah, Twitter. Twitter. So I get our customer, my customer from Twitter as a promotion. So it's easy for me to say, okay, I'm gonna do like a diet salon, losing weight campaign, stay fit. And of course, like I'm talking about how to be fit, I give information about losing weight program. But what I'm gonna do is. Because it's closed community, even though it's online, after months and months, the relationship between member becomes strong, and there are like so many different people. I mean, like uh, uh, their job is completely different. But like I've got like three hundred people in my salon, and what I'm gonna do is just set up like a new business with using them. Uh, the word using is not good, but I don't know how the word. Well, you're going to listen to their needs, and you're、yeah, going to、exactly. base the business business、exactly. around what they want.、Exactly. So,、um, so I guess using their pain to、uh, find out what they need and、mm-hmm. give them solutions,、yeah. which is fantastic because obviously it puts you really、uh, quite close to the customer, and、um, and so you know what they want. Yeah, and you've described some really interesting. 
tactics that you use in your business where you kind of cross-pollinate them from the gym into the bar. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I think, you know, this is the type of thing that creates really sticky businesses. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, an, an, an interesting membership uh, mechanism that you're using there. And, of course, your bar and your, and your gym are in Tokyo mm-hmm. in, in yes. itself as well. Yes. So, so what was it like growing up? What does it mean for you to kind of be Japanese? I mean, uh, it's such a powerful culture, Yuki, but you've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. away from Japan. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what is it that makes Japanese culture so unique for you? Um, because we are island and very far east. And also before 18th century, we closed we locked down our country. So I think um, until like 200 years ago, we didn't get any other country's influence. So therefore, we created a lot of like in- interesting culture. But nowadays, it's going to be more like Europeanized, Americanized. But we have still a lot of our like unique culture. For instance, uh, actually, the Japanese language is quite interesting for me because we, ha- we have to completely change the way we speak when you talk with stranger or like somebody who is older than you, we have to change the way we speak. This is the kind of like interesting. Yeah, and, uh, no, cool. We what? have like so much respect to all the people. Maybe right. a bit too much, but... Yeah, I but like, it creates like something that. powerful, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. and uh, uh, well, I don't know. We, we, obviously, we're here in Spain. Spain mm-hmm. has got a really an, a amazing family life. I mm-hmm. think the, the family values are, um, are, 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 are fantastic, and you see a lot of old and young together. And, uh, and I think this is what kind of strikes me. The, the Japanese have got a great respect and a revere almost for for uh, for the older uh, people and and this is i think this is what kind of knits societies and communities yeah. and cultures together and like, this is very useful when you go to abroad because for me it's natural if i meet like someone who is a stranger or older than me they look like i respect them and you know i try to be as polite as possible and like, this is natural for me and actually for us and of course you know people don't get like a bad impression yeah so yeah it's a good way to like make like a relationship yeah so uh, let's let's play a quick uh, uh, game here you know i don't know if you've ever seen what have the romans done for us but um we're going to play what have the japanese done for us i was doing a little bit of of research okay. and uh there's some really interesting things that have come out so um I want to go through a list over here. So uh, we spoke, we spoke about VHS, the video house system. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that VHS was the video house system. Anyway, that was obviously founded in 1976. Sudoku, uh, so the game, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 kind of the maths game. So 1984, a guy called Maki Kozi. I'm going to say the names because I find them so fascinating. Judo, Takanuchi Ryu. Uh, the martial art that uh, a guy called Jigoro Kono mm-hmm. turned into judo in 1882. Mm-hmm. 
um, The Tale of Ginji. This is apparently the first modern novel written in the 11th century about okay. a prince. Uh, okay. And his name was uh, apparently Ginji. Um, I actually thought uh, The Wolf was uh, one of the first modern novels, but um, I obviously have that wrong. I think that was... Uh, a work of fiction that was done early in the 19th century. So uh, we had the first rice cooker. You know when that was made? I don't know. 1955, Toshiba Nin made the rice uh, cooker. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't know about Toshiba. <laughs> and, uh, and then we've had the bullet train since 1964, traveling at over 400 kilometers an hour between Tokyo and Osaka. Have okay. you been on it? It's called yeah. what, the Shinkansen? How do yeah, you say yeah. that? Shinkansen. Shinkansen. It's like faster train. It's in, I mean, it's pretty impressive, really. Those yeah. kind of spe speeds being achieved in 1964. Mm -hmm. Fake food. This is an interesting one. Tokizo Iwasaki. Uh, he realized that he could make food out of plastic and uh, oh, use it to okay, display okay. for the yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it all over Asia. Oh, I didn't know it's a Japanese invention. <laughs> it's original. a Japanese okay. invention. Pokemon from Satoshi yeah, Pokemon, yes. uh, Tayuma. Um, and then, obviously, we had 19, in the 1990s LEDs. The jet ski was invented in Japan okay. in 1972, and uh, the first lap laptop in 1982. Japan also made the first aircraft carrier in okay. 1922. Uh, it was called the uh, the Hasbo, and um, actually Honda created the first in-car navigation system back in 1979. It um, it used to, uh, if you told it where it started from, mm -hmm. it would measure the distance that you traveled oh, okay. to tell you where you were. So it wasn't actually using the satellite navigation mm -hmm. that we have today. Anyway, so it's a hugely impressive list of contributions from Japan. And this kind of brings us to an interesting uh, time and place, really, because the not made in China movement mm -hmm. is really gathering pace. And uh, China and Japan have been locked in a race to mm -hmm. automate and uh, really kind of move manufacturing to a roboticized process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's your view on is, is this kind of not made in China sentiment a good thing for Japan? Does it leave Japan with an opportunity to maybe take some of the, 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 the space, if you like, that China will leave? I mean, it's a very different setup because China seems to do a lot of the cheap and cheerful and mm -hmm. Japan focuses a lot on on quality but no actually now you know a lot of Japanese company um, has got like a factory in China and there's so many things uh, made in China even though it's like a Japanese product like um, do you know like a Uniqlo? Uniqlo? Uniqlo I don't know. It's one of the biggest Japanese retailing company, and now they have their shops all over the world. And they use oh, Uniqlo. Uniqlo yes, yeah. of course I know Uniqlo, yes. And they used to make a lot of clothes in China. I think now they changed to Bangladesh, I think. Right. But, yeah, we have got like strong connection with Chinese, actually. Yeah. But I think now, like, economically, Chinese, China is like much stronger than Japan. So I think now it's time for us to learn something from Chinese people, actually. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. What, what's, how, how do you think Japan needs to uh, emulate what China uh, is doing? Like for the, in terms of technology, I think now China is better than Japan because they invest much 
more money than what we do.、Mm-hmm. So they just invest, invest, and you know, get a lot of good mechanic engineer from all over the world and making like, new things. We don't really do that at the moment. So actually, now the、like, Japanese economy is like, getting very weak. Well,、uh, I, I don't know where, where, you, where, you, where you kind of go from there. You know, if you're starting to stall on your innovation and RD, then,、um, then that's something that I think Japan's going to have to start to address pretty quickly. And I think it's got the capability to do it,、mm-hmm. but it's got a huge, huge、uh, struggle in some ways. You know, we've had,、um, uh, I, I, I think. You know, the idea of the company man is very ingrained、mm-hmm. in Japanese culture as well. So, you have a job for many, many years. You're、mm-hmm. typically working in one company.、Um, and I wonder is that starting to change? Do the younger generation still think that way? What are their aspirations? I think younger people totally change. Yeah, like,、um, yeah, their mindset is completely different. And、uh, they don't want to work for the company for the rest of their life. They just want to be you know, free. They want to like, travel. They want to go to Europe. And、uh, they don't like to be commanded. Actually, like, mentally, young generation is not like, as tough as old generations were. So, yeah, things are like, really, really change. So, no more samurai warriors coming o u t No,、home. not at <laughs> all. And, and like, this is like, quite interesting.、Uh, Obviously, I'm in abroad, I'm in Spain, and I meet like, a lot of people. And a lot of people say to me, they want to come to Japan. No, I want to go to Japan, I want to go to Tokyo one day, but Tokyo is like, expensive. Okay, if you say to Tokyo is expensive, then you don't really want to come to Japan because for me, if you say Japan is expensive, you don't do like, proper research because now Japan is very cheap. Actually, very cheap.、Uh, our GDP, gross domestic product, is, I think, third biggest in the world after the United States and China. But this is because we have got few very, very rich people, but our GDP for per person is like 25th. In the world from the top. So, our GDP for per person is much less than many countries. And、uh, here in Europe, if you go to lunch for the restaurant, maybe you will pay at least like 15 euros and like 20 euros. For us, the lunch for 15 euros is very expensive because we can eat a proper lunch for like 5 euros. So, actually, Japan is like very cheap. And now our economy is like really, really decreased. So it's not actually what people think Japan is like very different what we are right now. Right. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm, I have to say, a friend of mine recently traveled to Japan and、uh, he said to me, Ralph, this was one of the most exciting. Travel adventures ever. And、oh, yeah? uh, he spent a lot of time in Tokyo. I think he really responded to the hospitality that was shown.、Mm. And、uh, I think, unfortunately for him, he was、uh, certainly in the thick of the tourist traps. And he said to me, Ralph, I spent so much money.、Wow. It was a very expensive trip. So I can tell you one thing, Yuki. When I go to Tokyo, I'm not going without you. 
Uh, because I think you have to have a local by your side yeah. if you want to have that yeah. five euro lunch. <laughs> so, Yuki, I have to ask you, uh, you know, the Japanese are absolutely renowned for eating some mm -hmm. really, really dangerous food. Mm -hmm. um, so the blowfish, for example, is a delicacy mm -hmm. in Japan. You get to even uh, eat the, uh, the um, well, it's prepared mm -hmm. in a way that it makes it safe. But as I understand it, you're still consuming some very dangerous uh, chemicals that, uh, that, that make up the, uh, the poison in the blowfish. What's the craziest thing that you have eaten in Japan? Mm. I don't know. What's the craziest things? I can tell you the craziest I've eaten. What about horse? Horse. Well, horse is very common. Okay, horse is common. Okay. In in well, not here, but in Japan, horse meat is very yeah, common. Po yeah, horse meat is very even, common. You even have a name for it, which is like you know cherry blossom meat. What is that name? Um, so, I, so do you enjoy <laughs> horse meat? Do you enjoy horse meat? Actually, horse uh, meat is really good. it's really I tasty like actually. It, yeah. And maybe veal? Veal, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so no snakes and uh, no yeah. blowfish for you? No. I have to find the, the, this name. So uh, anyway, but apparently uh, horse meat has got this beautiful pink color and so they've got a very special name for it, but mm -hmm. I can't recall what it is because my Japanese is terrible. <laughs> um, and if you kind of come to the, if, if, when you look at, at, at Europe, uh, are there any foods that you find that you just kind of say, well, actually, Jap Japanese people would, would never consume this? Are there anything that, that they think this is just strange? Uh, like we don't eat like escargot, like a snail, Snails, like French yeah. people do. Yeah. So you don't eat that. That's uh, we, not. We don't eat yeah. it. And it's so funny because I've eaten a, Jap in, in a Japanese lunchbox which had a sea snail in it. Okay. And uh, it was uh, very difficult to eat that sea mm -hmm. snail. So it's hilarious that you don't eat escargot uh, because that you can actually eat. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Y Yuki, uh, it's been uh, it's been great talking to you about uh, these uh, you know kind of really fundamental changes that are that are happening in, in Japan. Um, when you kind of think about what Japan Japan might be able to do next, you know we we've spoken a lot about actually the country was very inward looking, mm -hmm. only opened up you know. Mm -hmm. 160, 200 years ago, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so it's been been very closed, very inward looking. Do you see that changing? So, you know, are, are are Japanese people really kind of looking to I don't know, maybe start exporting Japan to the world more? Yeah, I think we should do because we've got like a really great product in Japan, and uh, this can be uh, can be sold all over the world. So I think it's time for us to not look into only ourselves, but try to, you know, do like some business in Europe or like in United States or like in some other Asia countries. And uh, what we, can, we should do now is like, we have to make like a more like a creative product, like, you know, the manga or like movie, as well, or of course like some like technology as well, but we have to be like more creative and uh, I think that's what we're gonna focus on next few years.
Yeah, I think this export of kind of the the you know what what makes uh, some of the Japanese products so interesting. Mm. For me, um, is that the it's it's exotic, you know. I mean, the the flavors are exotic, the the content is exotic, the recipes are exotic. So in comparison to uh, you know, if, even if I just look at some of the confectionery and uh, and stuff that we've shared over over the over the months, um, the diversity that comes from Japan and stuff that are just completely novel, really, to a, a Western taste, mm-hmm. is very very exciting for mm-hmm. me, and um, and I think um, I think Japan would do well to to push that. We, I mean, you know, Japanese culture is is a popular export anyway. Um, but it'll be fascinating to see where it goes next. So what happens with you next? So uh, is, is your future in, in Europe? Is your future in Japan? What, uh, what, what, how do you feel about where you're going to spend your life? Uh, I haven't decided. I'm very uh, enjoying living in Europe. So I think I'm going to continue a few more years. Of course, I like Japan, so... Well, I go back to Japan like four or five times a year. So now like my life is like very balanced. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, just depends what's going to happen in the future. I don't really mind where to live. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the amazing thing is, you know, uh, you're, you're clearly able to see the opportunities and you're clearly able to create really efficient business models. So uh, as long as you can keep doing that, you've got the flexibility mm-hmm. to live anywhere in the world. And that's uh, a skill that I think is probably the most sought-after skill, <laughs> especially in the current climate. So, um, so Yuki, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you uh, about the bleeding edge of yeah, lifestyle so design much. and all the things that are happening in Japan. Um, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Well, my name is Ralph Banker. I've been your host on the Bleeding Edge podcast.